0: Hello, HEAL community. For the first time in nearly a year, I'm opening my practice back up to the general public. I'm actively looking for 10 new qualified clients committed to reversing their illness or health concerns and powerfully taking on their journey to HEAL. If you're interested in finding out more, go to my website and schedule a free 25-minute phone call. We will discuss what you're dealing with and be sure we are the best fit for each other. Remember, I specifically have expertise in autoimmunity, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, mold illnesses, hormones, and insomnia, but can treat much more. Looking forward to connecting with you. Welcome to HEAL. Today on HEAL, we get to have a straight-to-the-point conversation with Meryl Pasco as she shares her story of how she conquered decades of anxiety with grassroots natural medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Marshall. Welcome to Heal, Meryl Pasco. Thanks so much for being here, and oh my gosh, to share your heart and share your life and your story—I'm just super honored. Thank you, Sarah. I'm real. I feel really privileged that you asked. Cool. And you know, these are my favorite episodes when it's just you and me, human being to human being, getting to talk about you know something you've gone through and what you've dealt with, and then hearing about how you've shifted. I mean, I don't know what language you use for it, shifted it, transformed it, healed it, cured it, you know, whatever that is. And so this is awesome. So tell me a little bit about like what you've been dealing with and and how things are now.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it goes under all those headings because I've really dealt with anxiety for the better part of my adult life. And I, I look back on it now that I've definitely gotten a handle on it so that I know how to manage it. I feel like that is really the healing that I, I did go through some steps, which I'll share, but now I know how to manage it. And I, I mean, it's, it's, it's actually a great process that happened. So I've always dealt with like, this is the way it feels for me. Yeah. So shortness of breath, a lot of discomfort in my chest, in my body, a feeling of being like disconnected from people around me when it's really acute, something I would bring into, it would happen in, in instances where I was playing a game or I was in a social s- situation and there was really no reason for me to feel this way so I, it was something that I carried around with me like, there it is. Yeah. No, That's just how it reason.
0: is. Yep. yep. And so when did you experience it first starting for you?
1: When I first expe- well, I first experienced it like it was something that I had to deal with was four years ago, I ended my marriage. And quite honestly, never thought I would be single at this time in my life. Yeah, And so I did a lot of healing. I did a lot of work. You know, I, I have done a lot of personal and professional growth and development work. And after years of, you know, making strides, this last year in the pandemic, I went through a reworking of my divorce. Mm. I didn't expect 4 years after settling the divorce that it would have to reopen and be renegotiated, but that did happen. And there were other things that I was confronting in my life. Like I wanted to find, un, you know, another career because I had helped my husband in his business. I wanted to be, you know, to create Oh, I was reinventing myself. Yeah. So there were stressors that were happening at the time. But one morning I woke up and I was also alone a lot. That was also, you know, a bit of a stressor for me. I lived alone. I was in a relationship at the time, but we only saw each other in the weekend. So the day in, day out was all on my own And one day I'm like sitting on my couch and I said, you know what, this anxiety, it's like, I get that I'm anxious, but basically I have a roof over my head. I have money in the bank. I have food in the refrigerator and I'm healthy. Yeah. and I'm going to figure all this stuff out. And as soon as I had like that little monologue with myself, yeah. I started to say, okay, I started to like address it almost. And I discovered by like really looking at it, like, okay, it's not because of the money. It's not because I I have food, I have shelter, I have all the basic necessities. I started realizing that it was physical. Wow. And I think I always thought it was a psychological issue that I had. So I called a friend who has also been my personal trainer. Her name is Rebecca Heiberg. And when I called her, like we touched base during the beginning of the pandemic. And she mentioned that she was training to be a functional medicine coach. Wow. And she's done a lot of work that that's really admirable healing people with diet And just, I mean, mindfulness around taking care of yourself. And she said to me, you really need to go on an elimination diet. And I was not ready for it. We talked about eliminating coffee, alcohol, Um, dairy gluten eggs not necessarily meat but it had to be like organic or grass-fed meats you know really pure clean foods and the funniest moment was when she said I said to her oh Rebecca I go on that one day you're going to carry me out on a stretcher We're going to have to be here at my house with uh-huh. your mask on because we were in the middle of the pandemic. I said, but we're going to wind up calling 911. She's like, Meryl, how much have you been drinking? I was like, no, it's not the alcohol, it's the coffee. Oh, yeah. Yep. Because I had always, I always drank coffee. And I remember one day not drinking coffee and getting like, I've never had migraines but getting such a horrible migraine that I was actually, I had, I was throwing up. Yeah, yeah,
0: coffee withdrawal, caffeine withdrawal like that can be the real deal. Yeah, it's a
1: pretty intense thing. And she said to me, no, listen you're gonna drink dandelion root tea. And you are like, what? How is that a coffee substitute? That would be what goes through my head. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I made up my mind. I think she wanted me to do it for three weeks, but Uh I did it for four weeks. But there was also a step. I have to jump back a bit because before I was willing to do the elimination diet, she had turned me on to Anthony Williams and suggested that I just do the heavy metal detox smoothie. And I was at a point where she was a functional medicine coach, and I was interviewing integrative medical doctors and, you know, going out there to see what I could do to help myself. And I had heard from quite a few. That it could be heavy metals. Yeah. So I did do the heavy metal detox smoothie, and that gave me some relief. Not thoroughly, but the between doing that and then doing the elimination diet, I did it for a total of three weeks. No alcohol, no coffee, no eggs, dairy, gluten. You know, those are a lot of things. I, I Probably any refined
0: dairy, sugar.
1: Yeah. refined sugar. I had done the no dairy, no gluten before. I find that the only dairy that I really, like, haven't been able to eliminate totally when I'm drinking coffee is, like, the little half and half. That I yeah. have in my coffee. That's my, that's sort of like my treat. Yeah. So, yeah, the results were pretty profound. Awesome. So, I'm going
0: to, I'm going to go back to a couple of things because there's so many things I love about what you're sharing, and we'll keep going into it deeper of what else has been happening with this. But one of the things you said at the beginning that is so profound is that you actually did the work to look for the anxiety yes in your life and and that's so one of my favorite authors on emotions is this awesome woman named Carla McLaren and she wrote a book called The Language of Emotions and it's like an encyclopedia of about 26 of the major human emotions we deal with anger, sadness, joy, depression, even suicidal ideation is she has a whole chapter on it and wow. one of her main premises about it is our human emotions have a purpose. They're in our body for a reason. We've kept them along this whole time like they serve purposes and to actually like in our culture we don't have a lot of knowledge about that. We sort of label joy is good Sadness is bad and it doesn't go much further than that. So, you know, to get all the details, you got to read the book. But one of my favorite things that I got out of it when I read it for the first time is one of the things she talks about is anxiety. Mm -hmm. And she talks about these emotions like anxiety, boredom, confusion that are actually masks of other emotions. Wow. And anxiety, she says, is like undefined fear. It's really is fear and fear when it's just pure, completely authentic fear, we know what we're afraid of. We know what we do and don't want to have happen. And fear motivates us into action. It's fear that has us change our life, make the phone call, quit the job, you know, whatever it is. It's like, that, you know, and, and we often label, you know, having fear is bad, but no fear is an incredible intuitive aspect of our body that, uh, that alerts us to safety issues. Now we can get bigger than that spiritually and actually take a look and say, where's my fear coming from? Is this something that's a match for who I am and my commitments in the world? Or am I just like, you know, what is that about? But it still has us check in and pay attention. Whereas anxiety like runs all over us Yes. And it's not attached to anything. There isn't a specific threat or a specific, it just, it's and like you've even expressed so well, it shows up in all these circumstances, like nothing's happening right now. Why am I suddenly feeling this anxiety? Yes. And so that piece right there that you went and you did the work to look in your life. Now someone else might do that work and they're like, well, but I don't have enough money. And I do have concerns about the safety in my relationship. That can be a part of it, but I often find so many people dealing with depression and anxiety in particular, because it's rampant. And like during the pandemic, we saw that people had diagnoses and complaints of anxiety and depression that went up four times what they were in 2019, you know, and, and it's valid based on what we were dealing with in the pandemic and also both the fear that was in the world, but also when we restrict ourselves socially and we're social creatures and what that does to our emotions and our sense of security and all of that. So I just think that's so brilliant to look because so often there is a physical component. Even if there's also a psychological component, I've seen a lot of anxiety tied to dehydration. I've seen anxiety tied to decreased, you know, low amounts of magnesium. I've seen anxiety tied to gluten allergies. And, you know, heavy metals make sense to me too. And that's something just to share for the listeners is the majority of the time, low amounts of heavy metals, the, the kind of way that many of us deal with it in day-to-day life, it will deal, it'll impact your neurology the most. So learning disabilities, brain fog, ADD, ADHD, kids on the spectrum, people on the spectrum that are dealing with all kinds of levels, they're going to be more susceptible to holding on to, uh, onto heavy metals. They're also gonna be more impacted by smaller amounts of heavy metals. So like you could have a hundred people in a room, they all get the same exposure. They don't all end up with an issue with it. And heavy metals in particular wreak havoc on the brain and the neurology. And so emotions connect immediately to that.
1: Yeah, now I will tell you like, if I think back on like, okay, so I'm divorced for years. Eight years ago, my marriage was difficult, you know, but I was, again, I was in a situation where, you know, I, I, I had wonderful things happening in my life. And even on those days, there would be this crazy anxiety. And I just thought it was part of my personality. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think that it has a lot to do with the personal and professional growth work that I've done with Landmark, with, you know, I mean, even beyond Landmark, if I need to talk to a professional about something, I reach out and I look for them. Mm -hmm. You know, I was a dancer, you know, earlier on in my life. And I know that I need a lot of exercise and exercise always did help. But it's interesting that you say dehydration, because now I—that's one of my first things I do if I feel that breathlessness coming on. Yep, I right away guzzle water. Yeah. I right away take care of myself or eat fruit or vegetables, a big salad. So, And that's blood sugar crashes can do it
0: too. And that's one of my like, and this is not to diminish at all what people deal with, but I swear we could probably quote unquote cure 35% of what a lot of people call anxiety. If we just all drank half our body weight and ounces of water every day, and we ate three meals and we made sure we didn't skip meals. And we don't go too far between and that we actually really manage our blood sugar well through regular eating. And this is interesting because there's a whole world right now about fasting and about intermittent fasting, which I'm not saying doesn't have worth because it does, but all of these different therapeutic diets, they're therapeutic. They need to be applied to the right person on the right time and the right conditions. And I just had a client recently last week. And she said, so wait a minute, this sounds like you're telling me to eat five times a day. This is the opposite of intermittent fasting. I'm diabetic. I thought intermittent fasting is good for diabetics. And it can be at the right stage, applied at the right time. Right when there's this kind of blood sugar crashes and we're on that roller coaster of emotions every day, I actually need to get, and there's a component that the adrenal glands play in this and cortisol and how our stress hormones respond because that'll spike anxiety as well. And so, being able to work that out, I do the blood sugar recovery work first. And then we can do working on having their cells become more sensitized to insulin by potentially using intermittent fasting, but not until essentially we've gotten them out of the fatigue hole that they're not exhausted and all that. So, like exactly what you're talking about eating some fruit, having a salad, eating some food, drinking water, but water, it's amazing. I mean, when I was a river guide, I used to be a river guide out in Idaho and Montana and I took people on week-long wilderness trips and we would say it all the time hydrate for happiness because otherwise I'm going to deal with 25 grumpy people that are not used to exercising and being out in the hot sun all day and it's it's arid it's a desert and so we would just you know I would drink a gallon and a half of water every day when I was on the river without you know that was pretty common and so it's that's
1: It's simple, but I'm glad we're having this conversation because this is what gets overlooked all the time. It's so overlooked. And like, so like, this is my 20 ounce water bottle. And I know that I have to, during the day, get 40 to 60 ounces in, and then I take it upstairs with me. And I know that if I go to sleep at night, a lot of people have this misconception, especially People, I mean, I'm a middle aged woman, you know, I'm in menopause. I don't, I, you know, there's a misconception that you have to stop drinking water at seven o'clock or else you're going to be up all night peeing. Right. No, you need to hydrate. It's amazing. Sometimes I drink 12 ounces just before I go to sleep just because I sleep better now. Yeah. And also, this is really key for my healing. So I've already let you know how like, I love my coffee. Yeah. So I changed my coffee habit. I wanna to talk to you about that and and, uh, and like parallel it to a little intermittent fasting. Cool. Uh, I think intermittent fasting is great. And I also tell you that as a teenager, I did the blood sugar testing and I've always known myself to be hypoglycemic. And when I was pregnant, with my daughter, I was diabetic, so I have a bit of that going on too. Yeah. So you know, I'm not always great about it, but I do have a one o'clock reminder in my phone to eat. Yeah. Right. PM, right in the middle of the day, just so I'm really aware of it. So what I've done is I wake up in the morning now, and I have I I have vitamins that I take in water. So I use a powdered version of calcium, a multi B, a multivitamin and an antioxidant and vitamin D with K2 and oh, there's a resveratrol sometimes I add. And I, so I drink my vitamins and I drink celery juice. Now my experience of celery juice is so brilliant in terms of hydration. So, okay, I'm going to confess. I'm going to be 64 June 29th. Wow. I have very dry eyes. So I've gotten into a routine of moisturizing drops and warm compresses, but there's nothing better than waking up and having my 16 ounces of celery juice and having my eyes go pop wide open. That's amazing. It's like... My, my friend and trainer, Rebecca said to me, it's going to go where it needs to go. Yeah. And it hydrates me and it opens up my eyes. I don't have that scratchy, dry feeling after my celery juice. So if I do my vitamins and my celery juice and it's 10 or 11 o'clock and I've already fasted up to 14 hours I have to stop and think is it wise to go to 12 I mean to 16 yep which is usually around noon one o'clock or do I I assess that's awesome And, and I think that being hydrated makes a tremendous amount of difference yeah so what changed in the coffee habit okay so Now I don't have my coffee till 11 or 12 o'clock. I used to have to set the coffee pot for the night before. Yeah. So I didn't waste a minute. I, you know, I, I sometimes hit the coffee pot button before I went to pee in the morning. So when I was done, I could pour a cup. And I would say, I would say for women, especially in my age group, I would say women, we need a lot of hydration to keep our skin good yeah. our, and like, it's such a key thing. So-, so that's
0: so interesting. You know, I came across a book and I'm going to blank on it. Maybe it'll come to me in just a second. It had to do with our chronotype, which I don't think is the name of the book, but we'll make sure it's in the show notes. But this psychiatrist had been studying insomnia, you know, that had been a big part of his whole practice. And he had found lifestyle changes that made a difference for people around combating insomnia. And his whole take was that there really are like four different body types and we sleep differently. And you can kind of put us in these categories and he uses animals. There's like a bear, a lion, a dolphin, and a wolf. And bears are, they do best with eight hours of sleep at night they pretty much wake up around seven. They pretty much want to eat dinner, the three, you know, the meals, three squares with dinner at six. And it's like, it's our standard Western cultural routine. And so he said, what he found is in his populations that he studied about 50% of people are bears, which is the majority. So that's why like our culture is set to that. And not everybody has that same chronotype. And so, you know, lions like to be up at 5 a.m. and they get more work done before most of us do, you know, by nine. And then wolves are a little bit more nighttime and dolphins, there's a whole nother thing about it. But he actually talked about one of the things he recommended to his different chronotypes is not that they had to quit caffeine, but when they timed it. Yes. Work with your biorhythms instead of against them when you use caffeine. And his general recommendation was Nobody should drink coffee before 10 AM because you naturally should have a cortisol spike when you first wake up in the morning. That's going to do everything. That's what we count on coffee for. And if we do cortisol and caffeine at the same time, we actually end up causing excess stress in our body and it can long-term inhibit a whole bunch of things. And it can increase anxiety among other things. And that feeling in right. the morning. And then often what happens is we also cover up sleep issues and we're not paying as much attention as we need to to the rest of our body because we can just quote, this was me and I have been totally known to do this in my past is I'll use caffeine to cover up my bad habits. You know, it, it's like, well, I didn't really get enough sleep and I have been burning the candle at both ends. And I totally have a, you know, innate propensity towards being a workaholic. And I don't think I've shared this with you, but my listeners all know about it. Last summer, I got diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome and it whacked me upside the head. And I'm sure that the stress of the pandemic was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. But I think all the pieces were already there and present. And I've had to completely alter my relationship to sleep and my energy and how I operate. And it was really like, I'm a health nut for a living. And I was still watching myself. One of my holdouts was coffee. Yeah. You know, native New Yorker started drinking coffee when I was 15. It was part of a family tradition. There was a lot of ritual around it. There's like a lot of comfort around it. There's a lot of emotional relationship to it. And I've tried all the alternatives, but without a proper context, it never made a difference. And then since the chronic fatigue syndrome, I've just had to completely alter it. And I actually drink. Now, organic water processed decaf almost exclusively. But I do best if I wait later in the day and actually have it as kind of a treat or as a part of how I'm fueling myself, because I know I'll fall into the trap where I also then will do coffee in the morning. And of course, then I'm not hungry until later. And I know in a lot of intermittent fasting, sometimes they utilize caffeine mixed with like healthy fats or collagen protein in the morning. And in certain set protocols that can work for certain people and I still recommend waiting until you know get fluids in do juices in the morning like fresh vegetable juices celery juice whatever people are into lots of water lemon water is a great way and it a lot of people are surprised when they replace hot coffee with hot lemon water in the morning it
1: actually yeah. stimulates a lot of the same experiences i you know what i even forgot to say that i do hot water and lemon a lot the first thing Mhm. And hot lemon and water, hot, hot water and lemon, and then the celery juice and drinking vitamins. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we should talk more about intermittent fasting. But the other thing that I did also is I used to make a pot, a small pot of coffee for myself. Now I wait until later and I make it half decaffeinated and half regular. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I used to drink like knock your socks off coffee. Yeah. And I it was the taste of the coffee that was the knock your socks off part that I wanted. Yeah. So, you know, I and and I'm and I'm leaving more of it over. Yeah.
0: I find that too. It's really interesting. So, so a little bit of an ironic twist of fate for like, I don't know, the better part of eight years, I've always wanted a real espresso machine, but I was lived a pretty transient life. I'd move all the time. And I was just not going to justify that kind of piece of machinery to drag around with me. Well, right before I got diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome was my 40th birthday last year. And my parents bought me a top of the line espresso maker. And then I got diagnosed and out went coffee. And I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Right. But I've changed the route. I've changed the whole have it in the ritual around it. And one, like I said, I actually do decaf and I went out and I searched the best and decaf espresso beans. That's a whole trick to actually discover because it's sort of an oxymoron for a lot of people, but really, but actually for me drinking espresso and I will do, you know, Americanos, I'll do a little bit of cow dairy with that, but it's so good and it's so rich and I put so much into what I do. I will have one and I often don't finish it. It's like, oh. I get to a point where that was complete for me and, and it's really shifted. And well, it seems funny, right? we this whole intricate conversation about coffee, but I think it's a big deal for a lot of people. And it it's one of those things deal. that impacts us. And I, what I love about this conversation is something that super matters to me with all my clients and all the work I do is food is ritual. And it's celebration. And it's been an intricate part of human culture, duh. It's how we literally survived. And we built it in to how we love each other, how we take care of each other, like all of that. And I don't find some protocols that are so, all they do is turn food into fuel and they leave the cultural and the ritualistic and the and the self-nourishing components out of it. I don't think that actually gets us to our highest levels of health and well-being. Like We want to maintain these components and then bring it into a balanced life and find out if it works for us. And there have been weeks where I'm like, I got to cut the coffee out altogether and let my body just be. And there's been other times where I can toss a little caffeine in there. It works. It turns my brain on. I'm not numb to it anymore, which I used to be. It used to not even make any real impact on how I functioned. And I know that's what I'm doing. And then I back back off of again. And I just keep paying attention to,
1: is this really working for my body? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. You know, it, that's great because it does apply to a lot. You know, I, somebody who was actually fighting cancer told me about mushroom coffee. Yep. These have gotten pretty popular too. Yeah. And I wasn't crazy about it, you know, just on its own. But I found that I have like a sweet tooth. I think it comes with my, I think it comes with being hypoglycemic. My mother and my grandfather became diabetic later in life in their 70s. So I want to keep an eye on that. And I so I discovered that one of the mushroom coffees came in like a chill version, you know? Yeah. So that some of them are think that some of them are calm and yeah. one of them was chill and it was like a, a mushroom cacao kind of a mixture. And so I started having that in the evening when I had a sweet tooth for something and I really wanted to watch my sugar. And then I discovered like a cocoa powder that had zero sugar. Yep. And there's all kinds of
0: antioxidants in cacao and cocoa powders. And like you want to pay a little bit of attention because they, they some, so cacao is usually pure chocolate. And that's even kind of hard to say it that way because chocolate or cocoa often already has fats blended into it in order to make it have a certain texture. Because otherwise, it's, it's pretty dry. I mean, it's literally a spice actually. And we don't think of it that way, but that's where sometimes you can have rancid fats come in based on what it's mixed with. But if you go the route of cacao powder, which has become way more popular and it's a lot more, like I was at the farmer's market a couple of weeks ago and there was a whole cacao kiosk. And this guy had an amazing array of organic cacao from Um, Ecuador and from Honduras and he had some others from down in South America and we talked about like the different qualities and he actually had some of the knowledge of how they ritualistically use cacao in healing ceremonies and so like that's become more common to talk about but I love there's something so I mean I think of that movie from the 90s Chocolat and like there's there's there is this sensualness and this sexiness and I mean Chocolate is one of the main things of Valentine's day. And there's a reason for that. Like when we get into the medicine of the spices, you know, cacao is is an aphrodisiac and it gets into like our heart chakra and it's a heart opener. And so that's oftentimes, you know when I've worked with my diabetic patients one of the conversations we dwell in is where are you not allowing yourself the sweetness of life? such that your body is in this struggle around sweetness in food? And can we add more sweetness in life and balance out the cravings and the desires or the difficulty managing the sweetness in your body? And, you know, I love looking at health and medicine through metaphors like that, of like, what is this disease showing us in a more metaphysical way about yes. how we can look at ourselves in our life? And so that's so great. Cause like, you know, we know there's a lot of health benefits and anti-cancer and antioxidants to the mushrooms and you get to bring in this other component of the cacao and it's literally like good for
1: your spiritual heart. Yep. Yep. I mean, even alcohol, Sarah, it's like, I, I used to think that the alcohol was going to help the anxiety. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, maybe when you first have a drink, it takes the edge off of it, but now I won't let myself have any alcohol without really making sure that I've had some, you know, like extra water intake Yeah. or I have alcohol. Mm -hmm. So I never thought that I was going to be able to change these habits the way I have. I yeah. really ha- never thought that I'd be able to change them. I love the way you're sharing this. And I swear I did not pay you
0: to say these things because it's like, but it's straight out of my experience with my clients, like over and over and over again is people don't know how they're going to go about doing it. And, you know, I love that you had Rebecca and you have a coach and a support person. It makes a huge difference in this process. And we really can surprise ourselves. And when, We start to experience the freedom from the symptoms, in this case, anxiety, and the difference it makes. It's remarkable what a motivator that does become. And I love venturing in the whole thing in the conversation of it's an inquiry and we're doing experiments here. This isn't about how you, I don't have some answer that this is how you got to live the rest of your life. I want you to just keep listening in. Well, what did you discover? And when you eat these things. And if you do an elimination diet long enough, four weeks is usually sufficient when you add a couple of those foods back in, you usually get a pretty clear signal. Like yeah. people are amazed. Sometimes they're like, I've been eating this food my whole life and I took it out for four weeks. And now when I eat it, like my headache came back immediately, or I had really difficult time sleeping or anxiety or other emotions come up. Like it, it, your body will actually speak to you really clearly if we can figure out how to get the messages, you know, back from it. Yeah, Absolutely. So how is it now?
1: You said you've gotten to a place where you really feel like you can manage it, but how is it now? Oh, now it's great. As a matter of fact, I did a little experiment today. Nice. I knew we were having this conversation and I did have my coffee earlier. I was like, I don't know, today's Monday and I usually have it as a fast day because I, because I, you know, I allow myself treats on the weekend. You know, on the weekend is when, you know, if if there's a barbecue or if there's, you know, friends are getting together and there is pizza or something like that. I will allow myself my treat because I don't I don't indulge too often. But then Monday morning, I want to write myself again. But this morning I woke up and I. I had my vitamins. Sometimes on a day when I do like a little bit of a longer fast, I have like a Nespresso because I, I have an Nespresso machine for years now because I don't put milk in it. I don't put any kind of milk in it. So that sometimes I'll have it if I want to fast a little bit longer. But then when I I'm ready for like a real meal. I'll make myself my coffee and allow myself my half and half. Mm -hmm. And I think I drank coffee a little earlier today than I have been. And, you know, this is only my second. I
0: did have an herb.
1: I did have an herbal tea and I had like, you know, a very, very busy day. So I can feel the anxiety, but now I know it's like I, I I, need to do like maybe a walk. I need to make sure that I hydrate. Tonight, I have something in the evening that's scheduled, so I won't have that alcohol. You know, I won't have a glass of wine with dinner. I'll just, you know, I'll skip it. And just being mindful that this is a cue. So like the first signal to me of anxiety is like a breathless sort of like a little, like I can't catch my breath type of feeling. I never let it get further than that. Mm. If I've done the water, I've done the exercise, I'll sit down and close my eyes and listen to a meditation. Because I just don't want that experience again. Yeah. I mean, you know, it sounds crazy, but I remember at one point I wasn't working and a friend of mine wanted me to play Mahjong with a group. And I learned the game. And it's a very fast paced, a lot of fun game. And I actually love it. I try and play it whenever I can. And I remember playing and saying to myself, I'm in the game. There's not even time enough to think about what's going on in my life because I gotta be fast on my game with this game. And I was anxious. Yeah. So I know it so well that I don't want it to return. Mm -hmm. I really don't, I just don't want it to return. And you have the ability to, you know, and it's like
0: (coughs) we can look at it like making the anxiety wrong or there's something that shouldn't be, but we can also look at it as that's just a straight direct communication from your body to check in what what's needed, what's missing, what hasn't, what haven't you tended to yet today? You know, I mean, it's like culturally we have a tendency, well, one, we have the hero guys of like if you feel something, then don't, you know, numb out, power through, ignore it, you know, and it's like a badge of honor that we can like have a high pain tolerance, for instance, you know, we talk about it that way with kind of this ego. The challenge though is, is we have a culture that's completely conditioned us to ignore our body signals. And then we're like dumbfounded and shocked when we have other major health conditions that come up. But when I hear the history from most of my clients, it's not a surprise to me at all that they're in the position that they're in. When we start to recount other things that didn't seem quote unquote, like such a big deal. And so this is really awesome because like, I, I had to reframe this a bit, but when I get the, now my fatigue shows up more in like emotional sensitivity, which is really super fun for the fact that I like operate in this sense of myself as a leader and a doctor. And I kind of got to have my shit together all the time. And like, I emotionally feel a lot like I'm a teenager going through puberty half the time, because that's how my, my like brain gets eroded in its capacity to manage stress. When I get this fatigue, it's totally different kind of fatigue than I've ever, it's not like being tired. Like, I mean, there are times when I'm tired and I need to sleep, but it's a different, it's like literally like running out of energy. It used to be much more physical. I've now healed enough that I don't get the deep bone chilling fatigue that I used to, but it's this other thing comes up and I have times where I get frustrated with it and I wish it wasn't like that. And when I'm in the middle of it, that's usually when it sucks the most. And I don't always think about it very powerfully, but I really recognize in the big picture, I'm grateful for these signals. They are like, bumpers on the side of the road, chewing me back up to stay in my lane and to stay in the direction that actually really works for my health. And, and, you know, I don't know how it lands for you, but for me, one of the things I look at, and this isn't true for everybody around what they're dealing with, but for me is like, I'm pretty clear that the chronic fatigue is my body showing me the way to my next greatest iteration of life. Yes. Yes. Like there's something more for me about how I live and how I integrate what I know and who I get to be as a healer and how I discover healing going through this process myself. And I've been very public about sharing my way through this journey in this tunnel that I've been in. And I do feel like it's guidance towards a higher level of consciousness or operating state or. You know, my spiritual expression or or just being who I'm meant to be as I age and I mature.
1: Oh my God, that's so so true because I remember in the mid in the beginning of the pandemic. So at the beginning of the pandemic, my job ended. It just stopped. I was working for a small company and I nobody was going into the office. And I wasn't like, I was in like customer service and I wasn't really in a crucial part of the company and it just stopped and I didn't get paid and you know I dealt with all of that and I also the landmark stopped a lot of the work that I was doing in personal and professional growth the seminars the leading the this the that everything stopped and I got a chance to quiet enough to really get the signal now I knew even in those times of anxiety that I was on a spiritual path that if I wanted something in my life I could attract it if I was if I had clarity yeah you can't imagine Sarah how much quicker it's working I've had the same experience with no, chronic fatigue. Seriously, the yeah. law of attraction works quicker yeah. when you've been able to connect with that. These things are signals. yeah. And you, and, and, you know, okay. It's great to understand like, yes, you hit contrasting emotions and stuff you want to you want to create something and and you hit contrast about it and and you know you're not always in that creation mode because you you have like negative thoughts or whatever but like this to clear this up yeah wow yeah you know I pivoted the work that I was doing and it was like it wasn't working out And I created something else. I never thought at this stage in my life that I could create a new career for myself. And I find so often when we do
0: allow ourselves to go, because see, you didn't, you didn't ignore the anxiety and you didn't try and just numb it out or cover it up. You went into it at first. You actually went in and explored it and you looked like, is it in my finances? Is it in my home? Is it, you know, where is this coming from? And then started to get in touch with it as a physical component. And as you've healed, I I see it in so many of my clients where they come out the other side and, you know, it's not like a definitive line in the sand. You're done like that. I've never seen that, but you you're on your other side where it's less about the symptoms now. And it's more about, and people find whole new aspects of self-expression. I see it over and over again, all the time. Yes. We come through these healing journeys and, you know, and I've been experiencing this big transition in my life. I've always had an intuitive component to my life and Before I went to naturopathic medical school, it was a big part of how I talked and how I expressed myself. Then when I quote unquote became a doctor and I had to be serious about things, I noticed how I started to quiet that part. And I wouldn't talk as much about the medical intuitive readings that I can do and the energy work that I know about. And and just even my, my life view of life, like I wasn't framing myself from a spiritual kind of divine intuitive place as much. Well, the chronic fatigue, I've heard this from a lot of other healers where they'll say there was sort of this dark night of the soul or a difficult time period that like, if they didn't get it about who they were as an energetic spiritual being, then this illness or this situation was never going to go away. And like, I'm, having a bit of that experience, because what I do notice is my sensitivity level has gone through the roof. I'm way, because I have less energy to give, I can't steamroll my own life. And I'm more sensitive to the things that where there's blocks and where the energy is flowing. And it's like, if there's a block and I'm trying to push through it, I just can't go very far. I used to be able to just bulldoze right over the top of those. And I was just like, Oh, I gave my word to doing this. I'm just going to do it. Cause I said, so end the story, no questions asked. My body revolts against me when I do that now and I feel it and I feel it in my fatigue. And if it gets really bad, it starts to show up as insomnia. And then that's really fun for somebody who's tired is then you also can't sleep, you know, and it, and it's like, it grinds at me and my body will start really telling me like, you are going in the wrong direction. You need to make a different choice and bring me back in alignment. But it's been happening even at a bigger scale. When I work with my clients and I talk to other people, I'm noticing something's opening up like even more or or getting deeper in my life where if I it's like the universe is saying I just am not allowed to live a disconnected spiritual life anymore
1: yeah and you know what it's like I just I'm just hearing it the channels are clearer yeah it's like by clearing out by by clearing our bodies out so that we can recognize the signals you know it's like I've gone back to a lot of the things that I eliminated and I'm experiencing them just like you can occasionally have a regular cup of coffee yeah you know once the channels are clear you can be with each other you can be with other people in yeah. a more, more present fashion you can create things for yourself in a clearer, more present fashion. I mean, I'm getting work done in a clearer, more present fashion. And I'm also not getting anxious about not finishing things. Okay, so that's going on my to-do list for tomorrow. Or... I'm gonna set an alarm for six a.m. and get those few emails done before you know, like while yeah. I'm having my hot water and like, yes, <laughs> you no. Know, but the thing is, life becomes about rewarding yourself with your own ability to be clear and present and productive, and like I mean, just watch the things show up. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's brilliant, Meryl. This has been so great. Like, I love. I mean, I love the episodes where I know exactly where we're going to go, and I do a bunch of research. But this is just also so wonderful because it was very the shows the synchronicity and the the synergy that's out there too. Because you and I just met recently, and it was like an instantaneous we need to do this. And you said, wait till I tell you what this last year of my life has been about. And I said, great. And that was it. And we just showed. And so I shared that also because that's part of that open channels, you know, yeah. and I mean, I'm reading this book right now, the surrender experiment by Michael Singer, and I'm almost done with it and I'm loving it. And he talks about how his whole life was about surrendering to what life was already putting in front of him versus trying to make things happen based on his judgments and his opinions. And, you know, I mean, it's a pretty miraculous story. The man is a millionaire multiple times over and he mostly wanted to sit in the woods and meditate. And that's like where it started. And as he kept these spiritual channels open and he listened and he paid attention to the flow of the energy, he has this really miraculous life to share about. And so I've been looking and I, I was reading the book I even wrote down a whole bunch of times in my life where it was like divine intervention led me to the next path and becoming a naturopathic physician was one of those I, I was reading a natural health magazine on an airplane and I saw an advertisement for a naturopathic school I didn't even know the profession existed and then a year later I was in school becoming a doctor you know and there were these incidents these moments in my life and I realized how I got into a track much of the last 10 years That was all about, I know exactly what I'm doing and I know exactly where I'm going to go and I'm going to make these things happen. And that's a particular skill and I got good at it, but I didn't leave enough room for the mystery and the magic to show up. And it's like the universe smacked me and put me in timeout and said, you're going to wait here and you're going to let the mystery and the magic come to you because I haven't had the ability to go out there in the same way to make things happen like
1: I used to because of the the chronic fatigue syndrome yeah 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 Yeah. and I used to wonder too like oh it's it's like you know when you're breathless and you're anxious your thoughts race and I used to watch my thoughts race and say oh this is what's getting in the way of me creating this or that or and now it's like yeah, going yeah. through a period where I I'm I've it's almost like getting your your hands on the you know the dials. Really? You know, your chronic fatigue and my anxiety and being able to address it from a nutritional standpoint and a spiritual standpoint at the same point at, at the same time and you know, there's just so much out there supporting this. And wow, this has really been great. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. to, like to know that I was sharing with a naturopathic physician about how I healed anxiety that I deemed was physical and wind up like this, it's ex- like really acknowledging and exploring in at, you know, just as we're coming to the end of this discussion that now it's like, opened me up spiritually. How amazing is that? Yeah. This is really awesome.
0: I love it. I love it. I love it. And, and I do, I just love the simplicity of the conversation, but the poignancy, I mean, it's so potent and that's, that's perfect. I mean, it so much we have these huge technological machines trying to find the next very advanced nanotechnology cures to medicines. And they're going to provide, they're going to provide things and it's going to be awesome. And then there's lemon water and whole foods and fruits and vegetables and (laughs) getting hydrated. And, you know, and it's like, it, yeah. We, we get to just let it be simple sometimes too. So this is brilliant until we get to do it again. I'm so excited. Thank you. Yeah. that's more I want to talk to you about. I know. I love that. It's so perfect. Thanks my dear. Thank you so much to today's guest, Meryl Pasco, for her vulnerability and generosity. For all the resources for today's show, visit saramarshallndcom backslash podcast. Special thanks to our music composer, Roddy Nickport, and our editor, Kendra Vicken. As always, thank you for being here. We'll see you next time.